Will there ever be a female in Major League Baseball? The answer might seem obvious, but it's not. And many people have opinions on the matter. Quote, probably not. Quote, overwhelmingly unlikely. Quote, I seriously doubt there will ever be a woman who would be physically able to play baseball. It's not a question of skill, just biology. And from former Major League reliever Tom House, Quote, I think it's highly improbable. It would have to be a unique set of circumstances for a female to get on a roster on a major league level. If this is true, how did a teenage girl strike out two of the best baseball players who ever lived? On today's show, I'll explore the reasons why there has not been a female at the highest level of baseball and the factors involved in a female making it to the big leagues. And by the end of this episode, I'll be asking a completely different question. You're listening to the Midnight Library of Baseball, where there are no loud noises, no jarring music, only nostalgic, thought-provoking, emotional stories about baseball. I'm Ben Orlando. In 1931, nearly a hundred years ago, a 17-year-old girl named Jackie Mitchell stepped onto the mound of an exhibition game against the New York Yankees. Mitchell struck out Babe Ruth and followed this unlikely feat by striking out Lou Gehrig. She walked the next batter and was pulled from the game. In achieving such a task, you'd think celebration was in order, praise, reward. For Jackie Mitchell, striking out two of the greatest players who ever lived was the beginning of the end of her baseball career. But if we step back for a moment, how could a teenage girl strike out two of the best players in baseball history? First, it's important to highlight just how good these two players were. Lou Gehrig finished the 1931 season with 46 home runs and 186 RBIs. In Major League history, Gehrig's 186 runs batted in are second only to Hack Wilson, who drove in 191 the year before. Gehrig also hit for 346 batting average, good enough for first place in most seasons. Then there's Gehrig's teammate, Babe Ruth, who hit 46 home runs and drove in 162 RBIs. Oh, and Ruth hit 373 that season another incredible feat. Here's a play-by-play of that day in 1931 from writer Tony Horwitz at the Smithsonian. Quote, First up was Ruth, who tipped his hat at the girl on the mound and assumed an easy batting stance. Mitchell went into her motion, winding her left arm as if she were turning a coffee grinder. Then, with a sidearm delivery, she threw her trademark sinker, a pitch known then as the drop. Ruth let it pass for a ball. At Mitchell's second offering, Ruth swung and missed the ball by a foot. He missed the next one, too, and asked the umpire to inspect the ball. Then, with the count one and two, 
Ruth watched as Mitchell's pitch caught the outside corner for a called strike three. Flinging his bat down in disgust, he retreated to the dugout. Next to the plate was Gehrig, who would bat 341 in 1931 and tie Ruth for the league lead in homers. He swung at and missed three straight pitches. But Mitchell walked the next batter, Tony Lazari, and the lookout's manager pulled her from the game, which the Yankees went on to win 14-4. End quote. So how did 17-year-old Jackie Mitchell strike out two of the best players having two of the best seasons in Major League history? Well, many people believe she didn't. That is, many believe Jackie Mitchell was part of a scam, a publicity stunt, and that Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig were in on it and struck out on purpose. Many pundits and experts, then and after, thought it too much of a stretch for a teenage girl to legitimately strike out two of the best players in the game. After all, women didn't play professional baseball. No one in these games mentions Mitchell's velocity, but baseball historian John Thorne said of Mitchell that she, quote, couldn't break a pane of glass, end quote. There's also the fact that this was an exhibition game, not really much at stake, and the lookout's owner, Joe Engel, was known to drum up publicity however he could. For instance, Engel once traded one of his players for a turkey, which he prepared and served to sports reporters. Also, the idea of a girl striking out Ruth and Gehrig would have been laughable, a real hoot. For evidence, we just have to look at some of the write-ups before the game. According to one columnist, quote, the curves won't be all on the ball when pretty Jackie Mitchell takes the mound, end quote. Another writer wrote that Mitchell, quote, has a swell change of pace and swings a mean lipstick, end quote. The Chattanooga Daily Times wrote, quote, when not in uniform, Jackie dons an apron and joins in with the household chores. Jackie can take that southpaw flipper and mix a mean batter or swing a wicked broom, Maybe that's where she got so much power in her flinging arm. End quote. So if you're a publicity hound like Joe Engel and you have a chance to pull off the miraculous, aren't you going to take that chance? There's also the question of why the lookout's manager pulled Mitchell from the game so quickly. She just struck out Babe Ruth and then Lou Gehrig. Sure, she walked Tony Lazari next but why not let her keep pitching if she had the goods? Unless she didn't. Third baseman Ben Chapman, who was due to bat when Mitchell was pulled from the mound, said he suspected Ruth and Gehrig agreed between themselves to strike out. It was a good promotion, a good show, he said. It really packed the house. Deborah Shattuck, a historian of women in baseball, was also skeptical. While Mitchell may have been a good pitcher, According to Shattuck, quote, I really doubt she could hold her own at that level. Historian John Thorne agreed, saying that Gehrig had a good sense of humor, and he would have gone along with Ruth, who liked to stir things up and mess with people. Thorne also said both Gehrig and Ruth liked Joe Engel, the lookout's owner. There's a lot of evidence that points to a hoax. But what about the other side of the coin? It turns out that Vern Beatrice Mitchell, otherwise known as Jackie, grew up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and happened to live next door to a man named Dazzy Vance, 
Who was Dazzy Vance? While he was not only a major league pitcher, but one of the best of his day, Vance led the league in strikeouts six times and was eventually inducted into the Hall of Fame. And Vance supposedly taught Jackie Mitchell the sinker, which was known as the drop ball at the time. Leslie Heafy, an associate professor of sports history at Kent State University, believed that Mitchell could have struck out Ruth and Gehrig. She said, quote, Think about a pitcher coming in they've never seen before. She's a lefty with a very deceptive pitch from all accounts. End quote. Along these same lines, Tim Wiles, Hall of Fame research director, said, quote, Much of batting has to do with timing and familiarity with a pitcher, and everything about Jackie Mitchell was unfamiliar to Ruth and Gehrig. End quote. Wiles also agreed with Heafy about the lefty-facing-lefty matchup in Mitchell's favor, and he pointed out Ruth's proclivity for striking out. After all, Ruth led the league in strikeouts five times. And Wiles raised another good point, which is the male ego. If we look at the manager of the lookouts, pulling Jackie Mitchell after only three batters, it might seem like he's afraid her true colors will come out. But what if the opposite was true? What if the manager and the good old boys club were afraid she would continue striking out Yankees, continue embarrassing them? According to Wiles, quote, even hitters as great as Ruth and Gehrig would be reluctant to admit they'd been really struck out by a 17-year-old girl. End quote. Here's another point in Mitchell's favor. Yankees pitcher Lefty Grove said their manager, Joe McCarthy, was so competitive that he wouldn't have instructed the Yankees to strike out. Third baseman Ben Chapman, who was due up next, said he, quote, had no intention of striking out. I plan to hit the ball, end quote. Joe Kovac, who wrote a book about Mitchell titled Jackie Mitchell, The Girl Who Loved Baseball, said, quote, I have coached baseball for 35 years, and when you see a box score and it says you struck out, you struck out. I'm not going to put an asterisk by it. End quote. In 1987, Jackie Mitchell said, quote, Why, hell, they were trying damn right. Speaking of Ruth and Gehrig. Hell, better hitters than them couldn't hit me. Why should they have been any different? End quote. To be clear, no one involved in the game ever came out and said Ruth and Gehrig let Jackie Mitchell strike them out. And to her dying day, Mitchell swore she struck them out fair and square. I'll come back to Mitchell and what happened to her after this major achievement. But I'd like to go back to a comment from historian John Thorne, who said of Mitchell, quote, she couldn't break a pane of glass, end quote. This comment represents the most commonly held skepticism about females in baseball, athletic ability. When we look at the science, there is no question of a performance gap between male and female athletes. In a peer-reviewed study from 2010, researchers found that the gender gaps between Olympic athletes had not changed in 30 years. For the study, researchers looked at the top 10 performers, male and female, in 82 events. The gender gaps ranged from 5.5% in swimming to 36.8% in weightlifting. 
This means that on average, the men's times were 5.5% better in swimming compared to their top female counterparts. And that discrepancy rose to 36.8% in weightlifting. Running, specifically, is viewed as extremely important in recruiting baseball players. According to Justine Siegel, founder of Baseball for All, quote, most players don't get looked at if they can't run. So that would count out most women from the beginning, end quote. In an article written for the Hardball Times, Bradley Woodrum looked at the top male and female sprinters in NCAA events, and he found that the top female in the 60-yard dash was still slower than the 500th best male time. So when scouts are looking for foot speed, this is a major obstacle to gaining entrance into the majors. But perhaps the most relevant physical gap is the overhand throw. Jerry Thomas, Dean of the College of Education at the University of North Texas, conducted research into male and female overhand throwing. Thomas found that, quote, nearly every boy by age 15 throws better than the best girl, end quote. But the problem, Thomas said, was not purely biological or linked to testosterone, which is the case with speed and power. The problem, he said, is rotation. From journalist Tamar Haspel, quote, The power in an overhand throw and in a golf swing, a tennis serve, or baseball swing comes from the separate turning of hips and shoulders. The hips rotate forward and the body opens, and then the shoulders snap around. Women tend to rotate their hips and shoulders together, and even expert women throwers don't get the differential that men get. End quote. Except this isn't biological, according to Jerry Thomas. It's neurological, a mind-body process that can be rewired. More effective rotation style can be taught, and is being taught. But let's return to some of these deal-breaker gender gaps that could prevent females from entering the major leagues. Like running. The fastest women are going to be slower than the men in the middle of the pack. This is true. However, as journalist Greg Simons argued, baseball is a game of specialization, and, quote, Bartolo Colon and David Wells have succeeded despite having the physiques of couch potatoes, and Tim Collins has been getting people out as a member of the Royals' bullpen for the last three seasons, in spite of his listed size of five foot seven and 165 pounds, end quote. And what Simons says about pitchers is also true with hitters. Look at Daniel Vogelback, or Miguel Cabrera, or Giancarlo Stanton, probably the slowest man in the league. These players still have value despite their turtle-like mobility. Then there's the issue of power. Power hitters certainly attract a great deal of the spotlight. But if you can consistently get a hit, power doesn't matter. And if hitting the ball is about reaction time, the best males and females are nearly equal. Matt Lyle, who's coached professionals in baseball and softball, found the average fastball in softball to be around 64 miles per hour, with the average fastball in baseball around 92 miles per hour. However, the distance between the pitching mound is very different in softball and baseball. For baseball, the distance is 60 feet 6 inches. For softball, the distance is 43 feet 
which means adjusting for the distance to the plate, the reaction time for a major league hitter is 0.4 seconds, and the reaction time for a softball hitter is 0.405 seconds. This is a difference of only 5 milliseconds, and we're looking at the average. For both baseball and softball, pitchers can throw fastballs faster, and hitters can hit those pitches. So there's clearly a window where female players can react fast enough to major league fastballs. And again, you don't need home runs to get on base, to score runs or drive in runs. And if you can get a hit through the gap or into the outfield, you don't need to be as fast as Ronald Acuna Jr. You just need to be fast enough to get on base. But this is from the hitter's standpoint. What about for a pitcher? Recently, 18-year-old Australian Genevieve Beacom threw an 84-mile-per-hour fastball. Maybe Beacom is a product of coaches teaching that rotation style to the next generation of women. But even if Beacom is an exception, there is still the option, as Greg Simons pointed out, to specialize. We did a previous episode on the knuckleball, which is a pitch that requires extreme skill, but not power. And when we return to 17-year-old Jackie Mitchell, who struck out Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig, one of the explanations for how she could do so was the speed differential. Major league players get used to the ball arriving at the plate within a certain window of time. And what might seem like an easy pitch to hit turns out to be actually very difficult because their bodies and brains are calibrated to react so quickly. And if we return to this idea of specializing, major league batters have specialized to hit a ball between 80 and 100 miles per hour. Journalist Bill Shakin thinks that the knuckleball could be an excellent weapon to disrupt a major league hitter's timing. And history has proved Shakin right. Major league hitters hate hitting the knuckleball. All-star John Cruck said of hitting the knuckleball, quote, I'd rather cut off my leg than deal with that all day, end quote. And from Dick Allen, quote, I never worry about it. I just take my three swings and go sit on the bench. I'm afraid if I ever think about hitting it, I'll mess up my swing for life. End quote. When it comes to females in Major League Baseball, many think the knuckleball is the ticket. But there's more than biology getting in the way. According to authors Fredericks and Eccles, parents encourage their boys to play sports much more than girls. In fact, they encourage their daughters far less in any physical activities and this leads to a major deficit during crucial years of development. The best years to develop fundamental motor skills are between two and eight. After that, it's possible, but incredibly difficult, to develop. And for girls who are not encouraged to engage in sports and physical activities, they're losing ground to boys from the start. Now add in the biological differences, and you have a nearly insurmountable obstacle if girls decide later on that they want to compete. There's also the isolation of choosing to play baseball with boys instead of softball with girls. And right now the system is set up for girls to follow the softball track, which not only means being accepted and not mocked, but also financial incentives in terms of college scholarships. And here's another important factor. Women in sports are highly sexualized, especially compared to men. 
according to Elizabeth Daniels in a 2009 paper, quote, when high school and college females saw images of female athletes engaged in sports, their opinions of their own physical abilities increased. But when they saw female athletes in sexualized poses, their self-esteem decreased, end quote. When you're competing at the highest levels, you need all the confidence you can get. And finally, there's simply the world we live in. Just take a moment and consider the sheer volume of conscious and unconscious messaging we're exposed to every day. Male athletes in grade school, middle school, high school, college, and professional leagues, magazines, newspapers, billboards, baseball cards, sports cards in general, television shows, movies with male athletes on center stage, the World Series, the Super Bowl, Worldwide televised events repeating the same message over and over and over again. Even if you have nothing to do with sports, you are still exposed to one central message. Males play sports. Males play sports. Sure, occasionally there's a message that females play sports. But these messages are like pieces of seaweed in the ocean. The entire infrastructure of baseball in the United States is set up for men. For a female to succeed, she has to move into that ecosystem almost from birth, and she needs a support system strong enough to overcome the loneliness, and strong enough to challenge the constant messaging, conscious and unconscious, that she lives in a world where only men can be professional athletes, and if women become athletes, they will be sexualized. Given all these truths, there are changes occurring. Currently, Major League Baseball and USA Baseball have programs in place to support and showcase female talent, like MLB Grit, the Trailblazer Series, and the Elite Development Invitational. More girls are playing Little League Baseball, and some are starting to appear in the Little League World Series. And there is a Knuckleball Academy in Los Angeles, California, run by Knuckleball Nation and founder Chris Nolan where kids and adults can come for training with knuckleball experts and state-of-the-art equipment. To date, we have seen several females rise to some of the highest levels in baseball. In 2022, pitcher Kelsey Whitmore was signed with the Staten Island Ferry Hawks, part of the Atlantic League, which is affiliated with the major leagues. Whitmore throws a variety of pitches, including a 78-mile-per-hour fastball and a knuckle changeup she calls the thing. Then there's Ari Yoshida, a 5-foot, 1-inch knuckleball pitcher who has trained with Tim Wakefield and has played in professional leagues in the United States, Canada, and Japan, and who, for her first professional plate appearance, got a base hit. These are two of the biggest success stories for females in baseball, but if we look at the whole picture, we can see the systemic problem. Ari Yoshida taught herself how to throw the knuckleball at the age of 14 after watching Tim Wakefield on television. And she started playing baseball at the age of 8, which means she missed out on six years of developing her motor skills in these particular areas. Kelsey Whitmore started playing baseball when she was 6, a bit earlier, but she also played softball, which diverted her training and focus on particular muscle groups. So let's return to our original question. Will a female ball player ever make it to the major leagues? Biologically, it's absolutely possible. 
but why should she? Think of it this way. You're a girl, six, seven, eight, nine years old. You can take the blue pill or the red pill. If you take the blue pill, you can have friendship, camaraderie, a sense of belonging, a sense of skill and mastery of a craft, with potential for opportunities later in life, in terms of scholarships, national teams, etc. Or you can take the red pill, where you will struggle physically to make the cut, where you will have to work harder just to compete, where you will be with players who don't accept you, who mock you, who shut you out, where you will feel alone and insecure, where everywhere you turn, you will absorb messaging that says you are wrong for doing what you're doing, where the scholarships will disappear. And even if you work four times as hard as everyone else, there is still a .00001 chance you will make it to the top. Considering the current state of our society, our culture, our infrastructure, the question should not be, will a female make it to the big leagues? But why would she want to? A few days after Jackie Mitchell struck out Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig, baseball commissioner Kennesaw Mountain Landis banned Mitchell from the major leagues, which was a leap as Mitchell was currently in the minor leagues. Landis said women were not fit to play in the majors. Mitchell continued to play for a barnstorming team known as the House of David. With each game, Mitchell's frustration grew. If she had a bad game, the crowd would boo. If she had a good game, they'd say the male opponents were being chivalrous by striking out on purpose. This reality, combined with Mitchell's role as a publicity stunt, caused her to retire from baseball at the age of 23. In 1943, the All-American Women's Professional League was formed, which was highlighted in the film A League of Their Own. The league invited Mitchell to play, and in 1943 Mitchell would have been only 29. Still, she refused to come out of retirement. She was done with baseball. Mitchell went on to work at her father's optometry office in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and died in 1987 at the age of 73. In 1952, females were formally banned from Major League Baseball, and the president of the minor leagues at the time said no contract with women would be signed because it was not, quote, in the best interest of baseball that such travesties be tolerated, end quote. The ban wasn't lifted until 1992. So a world where a female is even allowed to play Major League Baseball is only at this point one generation old. That's the end of the show. You can find the podcast at my website, midnightlibraryofbaseball.com, and you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, and a variety of other platforms. You can also find me on Instagram at Midnight Library of Baseball and on Facebook. The music is A Long Way by Sergi Pavkin at Pixabay. Good night.